0: Ohio State, maybe only briefly, but for the moment, has the top recruiting class in the country. Let's talk about what the teens are doing this week with relation to Ohio State football. Talk about that and all things related to Buckeye sports in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. Andy Vance joining you along with Johnny Ginner and special guest Garrick Hodge to talk about Cruton. Uh, The most important thing happening in the all season is the matriculation of future stars to the Buckeye football program. Eric, some big news uh, as we were getting ready for the program that Ohio State adds a four-star defensive lineman to the program. So let's let's start. You know, not necessarily talking about the specifics of Jason Moore's commitment and the other commitments that have happened this week because they seem to be coming in fast and furious with the 2023 recruiting class. But let's let's start top line. What were some of the biggest going into this recruiting cycle? What were some of the biggest needs? and issues that Ohio State was trying to address in its personnel this go-round?
1: Well, probably the biggest uh, need that has been addressed but not addressed as much as they would like is offensive tackle. Um, Four offensive linemen are in this class already. Um, Two of them are projected to possibly play offensive tackle, and that's Luke Montgomery out of Finley and Miles Walker out of Connecticut, who's kind of more of a developmental guy and just committed on Friday. But, um, you know, they'd like to take five offensive linemen in the class and Ola Saline, a uh, finish product, um, would be a nice cherry on top for that. But that's kind of where they'd like to go. But um, if nothing else, Luke Montgomery is, you know, a top 50 prospect in the 2023 class. And um, he's really filled that need quite nicely. But they also um, I don't you know, I don't need to say that they need wide receivers because you know it seems that brian hartline is basically a kid at recess picking uh the first four picks in a row for a dodgeball tournament and then everyone else gets to be team captain and pick the leftovers but um it was kind of critical that they, you know, if that's what their recruiting strategy is going to be, that they keep doing that with assess. and boy, did they ever, um, especially it's been a crazy last three weeks where they've had eight commitments in total, uh, three wide receivers to polish off their wide receiver recruiting, uh, three cornerbacks to polish off their cornerback recruiting. So both of those positions are done and, you know, the everyone's in at those spots. Uh, Miles Walker, as we just discussed, committed on Friday and then Sunday evening, Jason Moore commits a top 50 defensive line prospect out of Maryland. Uh, Same high school as chase young, by the way. So not bad. uh, Don't, don't want to put undue pressure of the kid. I really hate comparisons, especially (laughs) when it's like when they're lazy like that because they play the same position and they went to the same high school. So I don't want to, you know, someone to run wild on social media and say that, Oh, Jason Moore is going to be the next chase young. That's not what I'm saying, but um, he is a very highly touted defensive lineman that, Quite frankly, it was kind of an interesting recruitment because no one really expected the Buckeyes to kind of walk away with him until about a week ago, where all the momentum started changing. But he was considered really a Notre Dame lean and uh, really it just, you know, was a testament to Larry Johnson to just never doubt him because he can go in and, you know, he's always going to have a shot at landing the top defensive lineman. We've seen it time and time again that. Um, his reputation in the industry kind of speaks for itself and more committing just you know kind of puts the cherry on top of that sentiment so if
2: you're looking at the rest of the class I mean how many how many more you got 18 commits right now how many more commits is Ohio State looking at to try to round out this thing
1: Um, I'd say they probably finish somewhere between 24 to 26
2: okay so you would say, okay. So then, about two thirds of the way done here is what you would say.
1: Yeah, they'll they'll probably be pretty close by the end of the summer. Um, okay. I I don't. They're not going to be all the way done by the time the school year starts. They'll still have a couple for sure that uh, right. take recruitments into the fall. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're only down to um, one, two, maybe even three positions left to finish off before the school year starts.
2: Are there any like really, really huge targets that they are still really like gunning for at this point, or have they yes, mostly locked up? Okay.
1: um yeah, um, he's in Finland right now, so I always like wake up with a cold sweat that he's gonna announce a commitment to somewhere on Finland time, which <laughs> would probably be like I don't know seven a.m. here, but um, and you know I'm I'm not a morning person, guys. I just can't do it, so I just don't want to wake up at nine thirty and go. Oh goodness, no. But, um, yeah, no, all is probably, uh, um, one of their top targets they're gunning for probably the top target that they're gunning for is Caleb Downs, a five-star safety out of Georgia, um, who Brandon Ennis, the five-star wideout that committed to Ohio state three weeks ago, won't stop tweeting at him basically daily <laughs> saying, yo, Caleb Downs, you see what we're doing? I mean, he, he just sent off like two tweets at him, uh, tonight after they got, uh, Jason Moore. So, uh, he's. He's been pretty relentless as a peer recruiter for Ohio State, which, uh, you know, is always something you like to see a, uh, another highly touted guy try to get another uh, really well-respected guy in the industry like that. But I'd say those two are probably the 1A and 1B uh, recruits. And honestly, it doesn't really matter which order you put them in for 1A and 1B. I personally think Caleb Downs is 1A, Olas is probably 1B, um, but honestly, both would make a fine addition to Ohio State's recruiting class.
0: When you were talking about the Jason Moore commitment earlier, you mentioned that that was something of a surprise because he had been uh, a Notre Dame lean. Notre Dame and Ohio State have been trading places essentially for who has the top class uh, in the country. H- how, how does Ohio State finish this recruiting cycle? And in, in your estimation, you just talked about kind of the big gets left out there on the board. Uh, d- does Ohio State end up uh, taking the top spot when it's all said and done with, or do the golden domers end up with it? And does it matter?
1: Um, I mean, I don't know if, you know, if they finish number two instead of number one, I don't think the sky's going to fall on Columbus or anything crazy like that. But um, I think they got a shot at it. If they can land Caleb downs and land another highly touted offensive lineman, I, I see no reason why they can't finish number one um if, you know they don't land caleb down it's probably gonna be hard to finish number one and you know it's it's not a guarantee that uh number one is either notre dame or ohio state too you know Alabama's probably gonna pick up a plethora more or oh, are they still
0: recruiting football players down there Yes, <laughs> they, they still are
1: they, they still are indeed very good at recruiting huh. so good to know um, yes i i would not discount them either but um and you know there's a couple others that could sneak in there's there's a lot of uh great players left on the board that can shake a whole lot of things up, but um, the Ohio state is definitely recruiting at a faster pace than it did last year. And it still finished with the top five class um, last year. So there's a lot that can change between now and whenever. And also a lot of things that can change are the actual rankings of the players themselves after they go through their senior seasons. So um, long way away from deciding that one. And I, I guess going back to doesn't matter. I mean, it's nice to say that you have the, nation's top recruiting class and I think uh there there there's some stat I can't remember it off the top of my head but um a lot of teams that do finish with the nation's top recruiting class do end up winning a national championship at some point so um you know not it's not nothing but um you know again they're essentially I'd be stunned if they didn't finish with at least a top five top four recruiting class with all the guys they already have locked in
2: so what I'm curious about I mean obviously different you know, teams are going to operate on different timelines. You know, it's all about their style and how they decide to approach kids and whatever, and that's fine. But isn't there, and I'm not speaking for Ohio State because, again, they're, they're right on track. They've got 18 commits, all that stuff. But is there a point to which, like, the team just runs out of time like they they are behind schedule right is they? and i i'm saying this specifically looking at big 10 recruiting rankings and i'm looking at a team like michigan which has 10 right now and they just had a you know a high profile decommit how much time do they have to get that together
1: well it's it's hard to give a generic answer because it's so contingent on the team right sure um, i mean michigan you know every five seconds they have to answer about the Jim Harbaugh circus. Right. Um, so they have a lot more questions to answer than, you know, let's say maybe a Texas A&M who has been recruiting very well the past few years, but Jimbo Fisher will be damned if he's going to admit to uh, giving a recruited a damn cent. But um, I, I'd say, you know, if, there's still plenty of time. There's still a long way to go. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I, I sound like I'm hedging a lot and to be fair, I kind of am, but, um, I wouldn't discount a team just because recruits recruiting hasn't gone very well this summer. Um, when there's so many talent left on the board now, if they have 10 recruits still and say November, yeah, I'd be a little worried, but, Um, And then again, also the other thing too is, is that Ohio state's probably going to take a really large class this year, whereas other teams may not need as many because maybe their team is very young and they won't have as many guys going off the roster as expected. So you got to be creative with how you work the scholarship numbers too. So, you know, recruiting needs vary by team and everyone does their own different way. And, um, sometimes they don't have too many commits because they don't want to let a guy at a certain position uh, commit yet because they're still holding out hopes of getting the guy they view higher on their board. and mm. um, They don't want to accept, you know, give away that guy's spot when he hasn't made a decision yet to someone that they view as a lesser prospect. So that's kind of the risk you take in uh, recruiting. So that's just a very generic way of saying there's still a lot of time left to uh, finish out your recruiting class for 2023.
0: I want to talk about something a little more I guess, big picture or, or uh, longer term as it relates to recruiting this time last week, Johnny and I were picking apart the pros and the cons of the big 10 getting bigger with the addition of USC and UCLA. Does the addition of those two schools matter to other big 10 teams with regard to recruiting? Does it, does it at all change the, uh, the, the calculus of, what kids maybe say that some of the California kids, uh, what they want to do or vice versa, kids from the Midwest, are they going to be more interested in going to a UC, USC or UCLA? Is there any impact whatsoever to recruiting as it relates to Ohio state's future uh, with regard to the talent pool?
1: I would say minimal um, a little bit. I mean, the only really major, uh eh, it's not really major. I shouldn't say that. The only Impact it may have, whereas Ohio State is concerned, is that it's going to get them more exposure in the West Coast because UCLA and USC kids that grow up with them as their favorite teams are now going to associate Ohio State with you know a conference rival of UCLA and USC down the road, um, and they're going to be able to watch them play in person, in California, maybe once a year. Um, does that matter? I don't know. Um, it can any assistant coach tell a kid, Hey, you'll probably be able to play in, at home at least once a year for your three to four years here. Yeah, you could, but how much of a selling point is that really? I, I guess it depends on the kid. Right. But um, I wouldn't say it matters a whole lot, especially where's Ohio state is concerned. They re, have already recruited so well in the West coast over the past, however many recruiting cycles. Um, I honestly think it probably benefits Uh, the West coast recruiting of like other big 10 teams, like the Wisconsin's and the Penn States of the world more than it does Ohio state, because Ohio state's already a brand name by itself. It's already recruited really well in the West coast. And sure. I mean, I don't think it's going to hurt them by any stretch of the measure, but um, yeah, I, I can't really see this making a huge difference in terms of the bottom line of Ohio state's recruiting going forward.
2: Yeah. I'm curious just in general, I guess about how, not Ohio state, because as you said, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're bad. They're nationwide. You know, it's they're the ZZ top of, uh, of the big 10. They don't have to worry about that stuff, but like Northwestern going into LA or something, it's just, it, it is such a different, strange dynamic to me, especially when you have a lot of these programs like Northwestern, but even Minnesota, Wisconsin, whatever, that might have been more local, and they're recruiting like a lot more local and now all of a sudden they are having this opportunity do you think they're equipped to take advantage of that do you think a lot of these big 10 teams even can do that
1: i mean it depends on the big 10 team um northwestern doesn't care how good of a football player you are unless you meet their academic standards So, um and honestly I, you know, the next uh, recruit that picks Northwestern over Ohio State and USC that had legitimate interest from both, uh, that'll be the first I hear of since I've had this job. So, (laughs) um, I mean, it's it's possible that they'll get maybe, you know, a guy that is on that three-star fringe territory that maybe would have gone somewhere like Oregon State or Oklahoma State instead because – Northwestern got a little bit more exposure to them in the West coast and vice versa with, you know, Wisconsin or Illinois or whatever other remaining big 10 team. But, um, you know, I, I think it'll probably be different for every team, you know, teams that don't generally recruit a lot in the West coast may pivot to start doing that. And maybe they'll just say, you know what, it doesn't matter. We recruit where we recruit and, uh, we'll take swings when we can, but, we're just going to stick with our MO. So it'll be interesting to see how teams adapt. I think that's still like a couple of years out to see the really big implications of the other Big Ten schools and uh, how this impacts them recruiting-wise. We uh,
0: spent the last time you were on the program quite a lot of time talking about the greatness that is Brian Hartline and his just string of consecutive recruiting victories. How are the rest of his colleagues on the staff doing as recruiters? It, it, It would seem obvious to me that he's the top, uh, banana when it comes to to recruiting, maybe that's not correct. Uh, h- how would you evaluate this staff uh, and and who the great recruiters are,
1: um, and and who
0: needs to pick up the slack
1: a little bit? Well, a lot of them, it's kind of you know the the verdict is out, right? Because there's they haven't gone through a full recruiting cycle yet. A lot mm-hmm. of these guys are their first years on the job, right? So, right, uh, but. You know, for example, Tim Walton, uh, I think he did a hell of a job. He got four awesome quarterbacks in his first recruiting cycle. Uh, Perry Eliano, new safeties coach uh, from Cincinnati, uh, he's in contention to land the best safety prospect in 2023. Uh, Justin Fry, you know, he still hasn't gotten that cherry on top of his recruiting class yet, but he's already got four commitments under his belt um and you know maybe some guys are a little and by guys i mean fans are a little antsy that he took a developmental project on friday but i'm telling you that guy is going to be a four-star prospect by the end of his senior year he's six foot six 285 pounds and miles walker and um, i'd be surprised if he doesn't get a big recruiting bump in the next uh, month or so here but um you know tony alford is still recruiting great running backs and honestly i don't really think there's for lack of a better term a bad recruiter on the staff right now, is there some areas of improvement? Well, sure. Everyone can probably improve their recruiting outside of Brian Hartline, but um, I don't, I think they're in a pretty good position right now. And uh, I mean, well, I guess we'll have to see at the end of the the current class, it's pretty hard to make any complaints about where they need to be better when they're in great position to be the number one overall recruiting (laughs) class in 2023. So um, I guess in short, the, the verdict's still out on a few, but so far, so good. I just want,
2: you know, <laughs> I want Ohio State to get every recruit that is highly ranked all the time and not, you know, for, okay, you can lose one or two to Alabama, and otherwise it is completely, you know, dominant for Ohio State. <laughs> when you're talking, I mean, when you're doing this and you're talking to people, You're asking them about how they feel about various schools and whatnot. What draws people to Ohio State? Aside from the winning, aside from the obvious stuff, is there anything that people who might follow recruiting might be surprised by when it comes to how Ohio State sells itself?
1: I mean, I, I get what you're saying, the first part of that question, that you want everyone outside of the rare guy – that well, not rare guy, the, the guy that picks Alabama because they're Alabama. But sure. sometimes recruits will just pick somewhere else because of circumstances that Ohio State has no control over, a.k.a. their dad played for this school.
2: Yeah, right, right.
1: They, they grew up in this entire area their entire life and they're homesick. They grew up in the Midwest and they don't want to stand there a second longer. Um, you know, there's, there's whole different sort of circumstances of why a recruit may or may not pick Ohio state. And, you know, some of it, maybe it comes down to an assistant coach at Ohio state could have done something better, done something more, whatever, or maybe it just comes down to absolutely nothing that they could have controlled, even if they had the greatest recruiting pitch on the planet. And, you know, the times that we're in, um, Someone may have just thrown a hefty NIL package at them before they ever saw the field and Ohio State, as we've discussed before, just won't do that. And they're not going to do that. So, you know, there are circumstances beyond their control. But uh, to answer the second part of your question, what makes a recruit interested? Um, our position coach is pretty big. Um, these kids get really attached to the uh, main guy recruiting them, uh, especially in the circumstance of a Brian Hartline. I've heard a lot of respect for uh, Tim Walton on the recruiting trail. Obviously, Larry Johnson, uh, every the first thing I ask about Ohio State to a defensive line recruit, Larry Johnson is the first thing that comes out of their mouth. Um, And, you know, the brand name, um, they grow up watching them in the college football playoff every year. They watch the Michigan game. They see, you know, their favorite NFL players come from Ohio State. So there's, there's all sorts of factors of why they want there, and I don't think there's one singular reason that recruits are attracted to Ohio State unless you combine all those factors together and just say, yeah, it's the brand, it's Ohio State, it's a consistently a top four program in the nation year in and year out. So uh, I know I'm generalizing that answer, but it's as true as I got for you.
2: So there's no there's no kid going like, you know what, they just had the best food when they came over and it was like i just i, I had no, to have you know, that buffet personally, if
1: it were me if it were me i ha- i really liked their uh slushy machine that i saw <laughs> I in the uh, woody hayes athletic center and that like, sealed the deal for me i was Jeez. like damn this 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 uh this slushy machine don't mess around does it and i was <laughs> like well maybe maybe that's why i need to lose some weight but well um but but i'm uh, no i've never heard like a recruit say, wow, they served me the best meal of my life and they have the greatest food I've ever had. Actually, all right, I take that back. One recruit (laughs) told me that Ohio State had the greatest food he's ever had and they didn't even make his top 12. So, really, I don't know.
0: (laughs) 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 The correlation here is, Yeah, there you go. That's fantastic.
1: The second I said that, I, I just was like, you know what? One recruit did tell me Ohio State had the greatest food he's ever had in his life and they didn't even make his top 12. So, that's <laughs> <So> <laughs> a good.
0: So there you have it. Drink, Maybe there is no going. correlation between food and recruiting. I mean, I remember, and it's funny that you say that. I'm glad Johnny asked the question because I mean, you remember there was a period of time where it seemed like every off season news story was about Clemson building a water slide in their training facility, and this, you know, everybody's got a barber shop, and they've got this and this and this and this, right? You know the amenities arms race right was like a, a huge I mean, there was one whole off season where i swear to god everybody was building something obscene
1: you know it was the water wall then it was the water slide then it was the water park i mean but now ohio state does have a bouncy castle that they break out for official visits i don't want to say that they're not <laughs> joining that they but no one has called me and said garrick i gotta tell you what i wasn't going to ohio state but then they brought out the bouncy castle and i'm like buckeyes for life baby
0: I mean maybe there's just maybe there's just the overall concept that you you know if they had fun on the trip, there's many different ways to ensuring that a kid has fun
1: on the trip, I guess. That, I, I see what you're saying, but I have yet to hear any interview with anyone, not just me, but like read anyone that was like, you know what, I'm gonna be honest with you. That visit sucked, man. <laughs> that the food was raw, that they did have nothing for me to do. It was boring. I hated it. I've yet to read a visit like that. I got to um, say that though, I... I've heard recruits, you know, take some digs at programs and assistant coaches, yeah, but right. I've never heard a dig of, wow, my official visit to such and such place was terrible. I, in, in, in other
0: words, maybe these kids aren't as shallow and simple minded as sometimes uh, the average commenter on a story on a message board might be led to believe.
1: No, I, no, I don't think so.
0: They're pretty, they're pretty, I mean, in other words, the, they're pretty astute about evaluating what may be the most important decision of their lives up to that point. No, it's-
1: most of the kids I talk to are very critical thinkers and um, a, a lo- common phrase that a lot of them say is they try to block out the noise and keep the main thing, the main thing, which is annoyingly cliche, but a lot of them do say stuff like that. So yeah, they, they try to keep the noise out and they, they, they don't pull a Garrick and just like get Google eyes for the slushy machine and uh, keep more focus on the developmental track and what's the results have been over the past five seasons. And you know, what your NFL trajectory looks like if you choose this program. Well, that's what Um, I was
0: wondering was if there were any, you know, because we're kind of making light of, of this and having a good chuckle at it, but if there are any, uh what do i want to say overarching themes or or is there a st- kind of a standard process that your average top 50 recruit goes through in evaluating their decision set
1: again it's it, it's it depends on the recruit i wish i could give you this really detailed specific answer but things is there, that may be really important to a top 10 guy, maybe entirely unimportant to a top 20 guy. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of Ohio State guys say that they love the family atmosphere. Um, they call it the brotherhood. Um, and then some guys just okay. Is that confirm- is that
0: a real thing? Like, I mean, that you you get that a lot from people. That's not just one of those cliche eye roll things that they say. I mean, you and is that a is that a real thing?
1: I mean, I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, I can't confirm that, you know. I haven't been a part of it, but I can to tell you that everybody tells me it exists. <clears throat> yeah. So, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd confirm that that's definitely a real thing and that everyone in that program truly believes it's a brotherhood. I have no doubt about that.
2: I just think it's it's, it's fascinating how this all works out and the process that it goes into, because I, I don't know, man, like when I was 17 years old and trying to make life decisions you know, somebody says I got a bouncy castle that I have access to. We're like, well, it's sold, done. I'm good. Like, I don't. I,
1: it's well. A lot it, of them it, will look at it in two main questions, um, I think, and a lot will say, "Do I want to go to a place where I may have to sit a year or two, um, but I think that I can develop the best here, or do I want to go to a place that will let me play from?" day one or at the you know the worst I start my second year after I take a redshirt year what's my quickest path to the playing field so I can get noticed quicker right Um, you know those are probably the two biggest discrepancies for a recruit and you know if you find a place where you believe both go hand in hand together then great you probably found your next home but so there you go
2: well and it's also probably fair that you know these guys are the elite of the elite right you know they they are making they they already are thinking about the nfl and what comes after in the next step and all that so that i that, yeah that's
1: a, that's another thing too i don't think i've interviewed a uh five-star or four-star recruit that ha- has gone you know what i just want to go someplace where i can have a rock salad three or four years and right that you know, they, they'll talk about like the real life Wednesday program and like the preparation for life after football is like a backup plan because, you know, they're, they're pragmatic. They don't want to assume that they're just going to be first round draft picks or anything like that, but they also, you know, are going into this with i I'm going to work my butt off and I'm going to make the NFL one day, what school can help me get there? And what, mm-hmm. how, how can I reach those dreams? Um, I don't think anyone's going into it. Like I just want to, go to college and then that's that i don't want to play football after that and honestly really want
2: that rudy rudiger experience that's yeah really, yeah that's honestly if track. anyone
1: did think like that i don't think ohio state would be recruiting them so <laughs> not a
0: fit <laughs> not right. a fit eric hodge the uh, the recruit whisperer at 11warriors.com fantastic insights as always and much appreciate you breaking down the the latest crouton news you can follow his coverage uh, as well you should at 11warriors.com and via the Twitter as well. Uh, Stay in the know. Garrick, thanks for joining us on the Dubcast.
1: Thanks for inviting me.
0: All right, Johnny. the The beat goes on. Other uh, news, we'll we'll deal with. Uh, kind of wrap this thing up a little bit later in the program. We'll talk about some Ohio State wrestling news, but I want to get because I, I know we've got one that we have been uh, putting off for a few weeks now due to breaking news. A pretty big "Ask Us Anything" question. So we're going to go into that. the The meat of the program, the the heartbeat of our particular brand of podcast "Ask Us Anything," which, like the Dubcast in its entirety, is brought to you by the Dry Goods Store at Eleven Warriors com hats t-shirts stickers stock up friends fall is coming you want to have the uh, attire appropriate to your favorite season of the year you can find it at drygoods.11warriors.com to the mailbag we go johnny what have we
2: well we want to remind you that you can send us questions to ask us anything and again you can ask us literally anything to dubcast at 11warriors.com so let's go ahead and get started here with our good friend alvin uh, <laughs> Who wants to know? Very simply, but uh, very—I guess it's it's, it's, a—it's—it's—it's a wide-ranging question. What is the best landmark in the world? Wow, the whole world, the whole world, the entire world, the planet Earth. What is the best landmark?
0: I mean, I've seen a few cool things in my life, but I have not seen enough of the the great ones to just be like that definitive i've never been to the pyramids for example i've never been to the yeah. eiffel tower well i've been to the eiffel tower at king's island that was pretty great uh it does not uh, count that does not that does not count uh been to the statue it's you know wild we, real we quick sorry to interrupt no, no.
2: eiffel I mean, tower at the at, at king's island is pretty big right yeah the actual Eiffel Tower is three times that size.
0: Yeah, it kind of terrified me one time. We, heights are not my thing. I think we've talked about that before. Yeah, And, I, but I used to, I mean, when I was a kid, we would go up to the top and it was really cool. And yeah. somebody said that one time I was like, oh, holy Lord, please let me never go to Like, I want to go to Paris, but uh, and I know my wife and daughter will be first in line to get into whatever conveyance takes you up to the top of that monstrosity. Um which means I'll probably go to, you know, I've been up the empire state building. Uh, I did not go to the edge of the observation deck to look over. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. So I, so I've been up in some high things, Uh, best landmark. I will tell you how, how about this? I'm going to kick, I'm going to kick this around one of my favorite landmarks uh, that I have gotten to see in person that I thought was just really incredible was the uh, castle Nishvonstein and, and castle Schwanstein in the black forest region of Bavaria, um was the castle that was basically the inspiration for Cinderella's castle at Walt Disney World right so yeah. Neuschwanstein, uh, built by King Ludwig II the Mad King um is just gorgeous it's, just, it's just this incredible castle up on the top of this mountain you you basically hike up like three miles up the side of the mountain to get to this thing but it's just stunning it's it perched up on the top of this, it's got the turret, just like you think about the Disney castle. Um, and it is just absolutely stunning. Been there a couple times. Um, the, the second time was, it's been 20 years. Yeah, literally 20, 21 years ago now. Uh, but we go back and see it in a heartbeat. It's just absolutely glorious. That's pretty cool.
2: I, You know what? Honestly, my answer for this is, is not a place that I've been, but I would like to go at some point. But I, I have to think that the... Uh, if we're talking about like man-made landmarks, I guess, because if you're talking about natural, I mean, there's, I'm sure you can get all kinds of crazy stuff with that, but man-made, I got to say it's the great pyramid of Giza that the thing was built 40, like 4,500 years ago. And it was, it was the tallest man-made structure for roughly 4,000 of those years. <laughs> like that's, that blows my mind that they were able to construct something like. That. I mean, that was built by aliens, Johnny. <laughs> like, well, oh, it, but that's what's wild about. It. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't, but people have to think that because it's so mind-boggling that something like that could exist.
0: Yeah, and they didn't, they didn't just bring out like Bob's Crane Company. No, to the, to I the mean, the middle it, of Giza, and it's thousands of years ago.
2: Thousands of years ago, and they were able to construct something like that. It's still here. You can still go and see it. I don't know, man. I I can't think of anything. I mean, all all the stuff that we create, all these you know glittering towers and whatnot, all seems so transitory. I can't imagine anything that we've built in the last hundred or so years that I I could truly believe. Like, yeah, that'll be around in five thousand years.
0: I don't. The the Burj Khalifa is not going to be there. Forty five hundred. No
2: something's gonna happen. there'll be an earthquake there'll be a tidal. like i don't know some crazy thing will happen and it'll go but the the great pyramid and other pyramids i mean that's not the only pyramid there are tons of other pyramids. that the kids has been
0: around i absolutely and, loved like going through the encyclopedia and some of these and looking at the pictures of the the eight wonders of the world the, yeah well, it was the seven wonders of the world. I'm counting Andre the Giant as the eighth wonder of the world Sorry, <laughs> Sorry. You kind of inserted that one there. But I, I mean, I always loved looking at those. And of course, that's the one that's left. I, of course, right. if you, this is assuming that you believe that the others were, you know, was there really a colossus of Rhodes? Was there really, sure, right. you know, the hanging, hanging gardens, gardens of Babylon, of Babylon and, and, and so on. But I mean, I love that because it was, it was that same kind of concept, right? That, that ancient man could have created something that incredible and of course some of them were less incredible than others you know the the mausoleum of uh, uh, was it the ma- mausoleum of i can't remember oh. what the, the rest of it was there was a mausoleum and you're like okay that's less cool than <laughs> right So you know, the, the colossus of Rhodes. the colossus was the one that i was just always thought was super cool and of course has shown up umpteen times in pop culture over the years uh because it's just such a, 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 f- a fantastic concept that you would have this you know ginormous i mean we have the statue of liberty i guess but i'm trying to remember how tall the colossus was supposed to have been uh versus the lighthouse at Alexandria, the library alexandria was where was the lighthouse the library was at alexandria was the lighthouse at alexandria too yeah i think so i'm trying to remember what all seven of them were it was the pyramids the lighthouse the library the colossus the hanging gardens the mausoleum thing that's six i'm missing one I don't know. I'd have to look them up. But Ohio Stadium. Yeah, but no, but I'm your kidding. point. But I mean, your point being like, it's just it's it's really kind of mind boggling that thousands of years ago, ancient man was. Well,
2: even even like the Colosseum,
0: like the Roman Colosseum, yeah. thousand years old. That thing's
2: like seated over fifty thousand people, <laughs> right? And that's you know again this over that's almost two thousand years ago. It just to me, this kind of stuff is just mind blowing. And I love I love learning about it. And and I just yeah, for me, it's got to be the Great Pyramid of Giza because I don't know what on this planet can connect or or can compete with something like that. I just it, I don't think there's anything comparable. It's just unbelievable to me. I mean, we talk about, you know, the, the mountain builders in Ohio, right? There are wow. there are. Like structures in this state built by ancient man that I think are fantastic. The you know, the, the Great yeah, the Serpent Mounds cool. unbelievable. Great Serpent Mount is predated by the Great Pyramid of Giza by like three thousand years. Right. <laughs> like that's that's the kind of stuff that blows my mind. So I don't know, man. I just I, I gotta say the Great Pyramid, I think it's it's unbelievable. In terms of like natural wonders, I mean. I don't know. I mean, say Mount Everest or Denali or whatever, but
0: Grand Canyon. Um,
2: Grand Canyon. I mean, Grand Canyon's got to be super high up there, but um yeah, man, just the the fact that ancient man was willing to take literal generations to construct and and create things. And not even ancient man. I mean, you look at some of these, you know, like cathedrals that were built in the 1400s or the 1500s that are just these mind-boggling works of art um i don't know i i just i really love and appreciate that stuff well I, I went to part of our honeymoon uh my wife and i took was to florence and you see some of this stuff and you're like this is just this is bonkers <laughs> i can't believe this stuff exists you know we saw michelangelo's david and yeah. that's you know it's it's like eight and a half feet tall, and you're just in awe. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what these artists and, and artisans were able to accomplish. So um, yeah, I, I love it. That's a great question. Thank you for sending that in, Alvin. Um, next one here. This is from Josh. If you were to become a competitive eater, what food would you choose oh. to compete in?
0: <laughs> I gotta tell you, I that is one. I don't have a very high gross out factor. We were, we were talking about horror movies last night around the the, the house. And I don't watch a lot of those anymore. Um, I used to watch like all of the Saul movies and that, you know, like gore and guts and so on. Never really, that never bothered me, but, I don't know. The whole competitive eating thing has never, that has never been something. And I'm a big guy who eats a lot of food. Okay. And maybe that's why, like, I know what it feels like to be full (laughs) (laughs) because maybe I went back uh, for seconds, one too many times or something like that. Maybe that's why that's such a turnoff to me, uh, that I don't even know. I don't even know that there's anything that I'd be like, yeah, I'd totally smash. A million chicken probably the closest, <laughs> a
2: million of things
0: pr- pr- probably <laughs> the closest thing that ever came i remember one time uh when i was this is probably freshman or sophomore year at ohio state uh there was the where the b-dubs is now at high and lane is like you know new fancy b-dubs the b-dubs at high and lane when i was an undergrad was like a dump it was a dive bar right it was yeah, yeah, dark yeah it was, it was a bar that served chicken wings. Sure. And so, but we went there a lot and my, my roommate, Matt, and I went one time and I swear we ordered like a hundred wings, and the two of us just ate like a hundred wings. It's pretty good. I mean, that's probably the closest that I've ever come to anything remotely like that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Not my the problem
2: is here's the thing. If you're going to become a competitive eater, there's two aspects to this one it's got to be something that you feel that you can really just crush right in terms of the amount of food that you can eat but it also has to be something where you can be competitive right you're yeah. you're this is this is not just an eater you're not right. just eating you have to compete against other people to eat more of and i think the problem with wings is that a lot of people are going to be eating wings i feel like that's some pretty stiff competition so you gotta if you feel that you can compete in wings i think that's that's you know respectable but i I feel like you're gonna have some pretty stiff competition out there
0: and i feel like the time factor is also a thing because i might be able to smash a lot of wings i don't know if i could smash a lot of wings in six minutes you know what i mean like that time we had a hundred wings we were probably there forty five minutes, right? I mean, like
2: it was. I don't know forty five. Hundred wings, forty five minutes, pretty good though. I got, I got to say. I mean, I don't as know as how a, long it was, but I was like,
0: it was a leisurely meal, right? Like we weren't sure. doing it between classes on a Tuesday. <laughs> you know, it was one of those like Friday, we're done with classes, we're gonna go have a beer and some chicken wings, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing I wonder about with competitive eating is, would it be better? to be competitive, at something that you didn't like all that much. I don't mean, like you hated it, like, oh, I'm going to be competitive in lima beet eating, like yeah, yeah, lima yeah. beans. but like, if your favorite food is, we'll just stick with chicken wings. If your favorite food is chicken wings, maybe you don't want that to be the thing you're, because at some point you can be like, oh my God, this is my seventh millionth chicken wing. Right. And I want to die if I eat another chicken wing, where if it's just something you don't care all that much about, you know, if you're Joey chestnut smashing hot dogs, like. Yeah, you like hot dogs but you're not like oh my god if i don't have another hot dog i'm not gonna make it you know it's mm-hmm. not like your favorite food maybe i wonder like there's their psychology to. yeah you wouldn't want to ruin it you wouldn't want to ruin yeah that's it. what i mean like i don't want to be like oh i'm gonna be a competitive lobster eater so the next time you want to go out for a nice serpent you're like oh jesus i had right 78 lobster tails this week at that contest i'm out <laughs>
2: I, the the amount of food i mean that's the thing that's what that's what's difficult for me because the amount of food that really is involved in competitive eating i, don't, I just don't know that i have the ability you know because i love jelly beans and i don't think i've ever i don't think there's ever been a situation where i had enough jelly beans you know what i mean like i'll, I'll you know when i was growing up my grandma would always give me a big old Big old bag of Brock's jelly beans for Easter. And I just, I could eat the entire freaking thing if I didn't stop myself or someone stopped me. And I don't think that's what I'm talking about. Like I could eat a lot of jelly beans, but I don't think I could eat as many jelly beans as a competitive eater could eat. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure some of these guys are just like horking down a ridiculous amount. I got to think if I'm going to be a competitive eater, it's got to be in something. I think that I can eat quickly because usually what they do is they don't say like how much can you eat it's like how much can you eat in a certain time frame right right so I would probably say something like something that I can eat quickly that I feel like I like you said somewhat enjoy so I would I don't know I think it would have to be something like steamed broccoli or you know, like cute, you know what I'm saying? Like something I can just shovel in my mouth without thinking, and then kind of be okay with ingesting that much of an item, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. I could do that, like steamed broccoli or like maybe like I mean, cucumbers. I mean, shoot, I could probably put away like two cucumbers without even thinking about it, because I just like hork those down. Um but yeah, I would have to be really cautious about it because I, I just don't think that I could be competitive in anything else. So I don't know. It's a good question. It's a good question because I want to win. Damn it. I, I want to be the best. And if I said something like pizza, well, I'm not winning that. Like, come on, that's not happening. Um, but I can eat pretty quick, so I don't know. Maybe something like a
0: burger, like a big, like I don't know, like a Thurman's burger. See that's the other thing that kind of gets me about the competitive eating thing is the things that you have to do to be competitive. So sure, like you when- don't even
2: yeah, you've got to like you're you're eating these things in piecemeal. You're not like taking a big old bite of a burger. You're like eat the bun and then eat the you know well, like, the whole how- or
0: the whole thing where like you know they dunk the hot dog the bun
2: yeah in the glass yeah, exactly. of water
0: to make I'm like ah right. you know just, just so like- they
2: they <laughs> they suck it down like a
0: duck. <laughs> no not, not eating really yeah they're yeah. they're consuming. Right. I just figure out how to chuck it down my goozle as fast as I can. Like, yeah, I, I can't, I can't.
2: You ever seen that video that guy who like is like inhaling the hot dogs? You know what I'm talking about? I, I yeah, like,
0: no, yeah, not good.
2: Yeah, where he's just like he's like guys like wearing sunglasses and you go <laughs> and he's just
0: uh-huh.
2: he's just going straight yeah. into his stomach. Like I uh-huh. feel like that's that's pretty much the level. Of what you're gonna have to do and by the way here's the thing any kind of competition this is what people really need to understand because i know that like there's a lot of people out there who say i could probably do that i could eat a lot of whatever <laughs> that's not how it works yeah any kind of competition i don't care whether it's real life a video game competitive eating whatever in any kind of competition there is somebody who is going to maximize their ability to win and they will find whatever possible thing has to be done to do that. And so they'll they'll figure out whatever strategy, whatever crazy thing is, so that they can be the one to like you know to to win. And it's always going to be some crazy, insane thing that nobody else thought before or that nobody else is willing to do (laughs) (laughs) because it's insane and it makes no sense. So I don't know, competitive eating is crazy, man. I I I not something I think I could do now if it were just like some state fair situation where they're getting volunteers from the crowd. Right. You know what I mean? Where I'm not like trying to make a career out of this. Yeah. Then I don't know. Give me, give me some wings. I don't think I've ever had, like I said, I've ever had a quote unquote enough wings. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but in a, in an actual competitive situation, I think I'm screwed no matter what I pick. So I might as well pick something that won't kill me uh, by the end of it. So Good question. Appreciate that. All right, Matt. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do this question. It's a long question, so sit tight. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Okay. So all. So by the way, if if you haven't uh, gotten the lead up of this, you know, I guess you can go back and uh, and review some of the Dubcasts but I'm going to skip around a little bit here on, on Matt's uh, epic, literally five to six. Yeah. This
0: is, this is epic. The yeah, amount of work so, and time that's gone into this.
2: All right. So all of your selections for TV movie personality infused robots, replacing various head coaches of opposing teams saved Ohio state, which would have been an otherwise disastrous 2020, 2022 season and brought them the national championship. However, it is not over yet. Pacino slash Sabin has somehow overcome his programming <laughs> In the second half and led the Tide to a startling comeback. Uh, all right, so it's all cumul- uh, culminated in this moment. Ohio State's down four points. There's one second left on the clock. Ohio State has the ball in the one-yard line. It's fourth and goal. The clap. There's the clap of the balls in C.J. Stroud's hands. He's ready to launch over the pile and towards the end zone when a devastating blackout hits the arena and every electronic device dies an instantaneous death. In the ensuing chaos, the game is called in the Tide's favor um and it goes on apparently Jim by the Markov, way i love the
0: implication there being that cj stroud was going to was going to run the ball in for yeah that's while. also I, really funny i love, funny. That. I love yeah. that that's, that's <laughs> that i mean that's one of the best parts of the setup
2: low-key that's actually really good good job i didn't I, I didn't pick up on that to begin with so that's that's legit Uh, So Jim Harbaugh's lifeless body is holding some kind of complicated looking device. Looks like he did the EMP and detonated it, ending his own robot life. Jim Harbaugh is a robot for the purpose of this question, Uh, but robbing Ohio State of a national championship. All right. So everybody's really sad and upset about it. However, however, Gene Smith has tasked us with going back in time. And now we are going to make sure that the University of Michigan ceases to exist in revenge. So this is a revenge mission. All right. So we will hear our mission parameters. We will be in our goal. Remember our, our goal here is to prevent the university of Michigan from existing. All right. So you will both be leading separate teams with separate missions. Your teams will have one trip to the past and one trip back to the present. Uh, they'll consist of, uh, consist of us, a second command and three specialist robots. uh, <laughs> Our second-in-command must be one of the Ohio-born presidents. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, Matt says, should something happen to us on this time uh, mission, (laughs) this this time uh, heist, that we want a natural leader. Uh, We can have three specialist robots. uh, And this is a forger, driver, translator, infiltrator, armor, etc. So we want somebody who can, like, provide us with some skills each of the three have to be a personality of a character from tv or film with at least one hour of screen time <laughs> and the robots can't harm anybody this is we can't like get somebody to snap the neck of a bunch of chancellors in the 1800s and prevent michigan from happening we gotta we gotta do it oh the robots are not equipped for seduction that's on me done <laughs> not a problem uh, <laughs> that's on us i guess i don't i don't want to speak for your seduction seduction skills andy um,
0: want want want
2: yeah well i don't know i mean i I feel like you're a pretty sexy guy uh should you select a character with a superpower other supernatural abilities they'll have the personality but not the abilities all right so now we have oh man i know it's you know this makes it difficult so the moment in history you will travel to with the intention of intervening so the university of michigan will not exist in the year 2022 what is our plan plus our exfiltration (laughs) uh As a bonus, we can describe our theory of time travel, and also since there's a bourbon for every situation, uh, what's our <laughs> what will we toast to our success? So there's a lot going on in this yeah, question. There's a lot going on. There's a lot question. going on, and, and we'll tackle this one item at a time. Okay, <laughs> so first of all, all right, what moment in time will we go back to to try to make sure the university of Michigan does not exist as revenge for Jim Harbaugh? Uh, Jim Harbaugh, robot Jim Harbaugh, um, launching an EMP that uh, you know robbed Ohio State of a national championship. Where do we go? Where do we go?
0: Well, I mean, the hell of it is that this assumes that I know something about the University of Michigan's founding. Right? I actually had to. Okay, do but you don't of, have
2: to know about the university. Okay, well, how about this? How about this? How about this? I okay, had, we'll I mean, I had to easier. do a little, I
0: did more reading about the history of the University of Michigan here for this question than I've yeah. probably ever done in my life. All
2: right. well it was founded in 1817 okay yes. so that's actually that's when it before started.
0: before the uh the, the founding of the state right like it was it was part of the michigan territory or something goofy like that i think the yes. uh, the university was uh, founded 20 years before the territory became a state correct so there you go
2: all right so yes so what do you do then so how do you i mean it sounds like at this point you have to basically prevent michigan from becoming a state
0: yeah, you well, know, i mean you've got to go back and uh yeah and shut down the uh the act that made the old michigan territory uh the, the university is part of the old michigan territory i guess you got to go back to you know make it from being found because otherwise once it's founded right you like it's probably the thing that i think you have to do is somehow uh we got to tie this back into the like the the war over toledos
2: no no you're right yes i agree i agree that's where i was going with
0: okay it. all right so we're thinking this we're thinking along the same line the here, toledo right? war yeah
2: right so yeah. so okay then that's the the next logical thing is if, if we're going to the toledo war what ohio president are you picking right to to futz this up because by at this point the toledo war right was in 18 18 okay so michigan as a university exists. However. The state of Michigan is still, I think, relatively vulnerable. So who are you taking with you? What, what president are you taking with you?
0: You know, okay. this is this is a tough one because my first, uh, my, my gut. Because
2: Michigan state, wasn't a state at that point. The Toledo right. War was right before. That was the whole point. That was the whole point.
0: Yeah, yeah. So my, my gut reaction, uh, you know, to the question of which, which Ohio-born president are you going to take as your leader of your, was, was Warren G. Harding, uh, you know, because he's the original, the original gangster. However, comma, when, yeah. when we started dialing this in to the idea of tying in the Toledo war, then, then you've either got to have uh, you've either got to have Ulysses S. Grant or yes. uh, like, I was going to go with, because you've got Grant, uh, what, McKinley Garfield. I think they were all and Hayes. I think, weren't actually. they all generals? <laughs> like, yeah. I, think, I mean, because all of the good generals in the civil war came from Ohio. It seemed like, <laughs> Uh, and I think they all serve, but grant grant is the most obvious he's, he's the Don data, right. And it's total war. Uh, and we're talking about like total war against Michigan here. So,
2: yep. Yeah, I agree. I think it's gotta be Ulysses S grant because he is, he is, you know, the, the King Kong of, of, uh, the civil war. So the guy comes in. And I think that Grant's got to be your dude. And really what you're doing here is you're trying to make it so that Ohio wins the Toledo war, right? To the point and, and to the point where Michigan just cannot exist because they've been so thoroughly decimated in said war. And, you know, the official casualties of the Toledo war, according to Wikipedia, are one wounded. So I feel like Guy like this is S. Grant, who really did go scorched earth on the South in a lot yeah. of ways. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, yes, people would say Sherman did that, and fine, that's fair, but uh, you know, we're just the, the whole Virginia campaign was pretty pretty intense. So I'm just saying that Ulysses S. Grant is my man for the job. Now we've got to bring in three guys, three specialist robots. Okay. <laughs> And they have to take on the personality of a character from a TV or film show uh with at least one hour of screen time. So who are your who are your characters with this with the skills to well, to cause chaos?
1: Yeah. In, uh,
0: and and the interesting in thing here, territory. so we I was looking at the different categories, you know, this is a very D D feel to it, right? Of what it kind does, of like yeah. powers you're gonna take on. And and I will admit that is not one of my uh, that is not something that I've spent a lot of time on. So I'm, I'm probably thinking about this like a total novice, but I don't need a translator because, you know, the Michiganders do at least speak the language. Um, so you're going to need like, you know, an infiltrator, an armorer. Like what what are the three specializations that you think that you, you oh, need? Oh, sabotage.
2: I'm just going straight sabotage. That's yeah. all. I, I want three saboteurs. I want the three best saboteurs that I can possibly... Well, there we go. That's what I'm going for.
0: All right. Well, so then it's, uh, it's, uh, Val Kilmer as, uh, uh, oh, what was the, what was his name? Shoot. He had, of course he had a hundred different names. It was the, the, um, the Saint as, as the Saint. Yes. That was, a, by the way, I love that movie. Um, if nothing else, because, uh, Elizabeth Shue was in it and she's, was one of my hugest crushes great. as a kid going back to adventures and babysitting. But Val Kilmer is the Saint. That guy, that, that was, that was brilliant uh i mean he's kind of more of a uh, of a spy i guess but uh master of disguise and being able to infiltrate and get into any any situation it was fantastic so there's nice. one all right who's your second bugs bunny yeah <laughs> there you go come on Take a left turn at Albuquerque and uh go blow something up.
2: Let's go. Let's go. Bugs Bunny. Are you kidding me? did everyone seen that uh that gif of Bugs Bunny uh literally taking a saw to the city of Florida, Florida, right? Florida, yeah, and, and <laughs> dumping that right into the ocean. So yeah, I feel like Bugs Bunny could do something similar to Michigan and uh the Great Lakes as a last resort. So I'm fine with that. I'm one of I think Bugs Bunny has got to be one of the dudes. All right.
0: And uh, so. and your and your third so
2: foul kilmer bugs bunny i feel like these are two guys with very different uh skill sets heck yeah they're both both saboteurs but you know also like maybe maybe slightly different personality styles you know what yeah. i mean so you need, yeah so <laughs> with them and ulysses as grant uh i uh. Think you need somebody to like <laughs> kind of round out the team so i got what mr t come on from the a team if you if you If you have a problem, I pity the fool, and you and you need someone to and and you need a a solution, and you can find him. I think Mr. T's got to be the guy. What is the actual name? What is his actual name? B A A. Baracus, right? B A Baracus, yeah. B A A. Baracus. B A short for Baracus. Bad, you know. Badass Baracus. Yeah. yeah. So so yes, I I gotta say B A (laughs) Baracus. Val Kilmer from the Saint. (laughs) Bugs Bunny and Ulysses S. Grant are going to go ahead and take care of this. And right. I'm not too worried about it. And I'll be in charge of seduction. That's fine. I'm not worried
0: about I, it. I don't, I don't see how this plan can fail.
2: I think we're good. Now, uh, we okay. Now the plan is just to cause absolute chaos. I mean, first of all, you've got U.S. Grant who's going to be able to go in there and just, I, I think, rally the troops, get people to invade. Bugs Bunny, who can impersonate and just infuriate anyone in the state of Michigan, uh, to the point where I think they would just exhaust themselves. I don't actually know what Val Kilmer does in this. I don't remember that one very well. Oh, yeah, you gotta uh, watch it. It's a great movie. I'll have to check it out. Um, but, B. Bra- I mean, any kind of like bar fights, because that's really what the Toledo War was essentially. It was just a series of bar fights. Uh, I feel like Mr. T and B.A. is is your dude in that kind of situation. Like, really a guy who can just, you know, have anyone's back. So, yeah, constant, constant, low level antagonistic warfare. Uh, led by the greatest uh you know I would say one of the greatest generals in American history uh, in terms of leadership so yeah, there we go and and that so this of war extends beyond the strip goes all the way up to that mitten the top of the mitten and it becomes part of Ohio and Michigan just becomes you know northern Ohio University Ohio Northern University so ADA instead of instead of having O and u and ADA now it's in Ann Arbor and there you go. I love it now celebration time. What are we drinking? Cause I, th- oh. this is not a place where I would be an expert.
0: No, uh, you know, I'm going to actually do a bourbon that I think is perfectly appropriate for uh, a big 10 rivalry victory. Uh, it okay. would be four roses. I'm going to go specifically with the four mm. roses uh single barrel which is one of my favorite bottles in in my uh cupboard now four roses with granddad's bourbon if it was good enough for granddad by god it's good enough for me the uh, single barrel i quite like the small batch select the small batch is okay the small batch select is better uh and again Better in this case is a total uh, personal preference term. I, I enjoy it better. Others may, you know, as, as Ramsey would say, there is a bourbon for every situation. And, and remember, tastes uh, are very subjective. So you might like X and I might like Y, and both are perfectly valid choices. So when I say it's better, it's it, it, to my palate, to my particular preferences. I like the small batch select better than the small batch, uh, but probably the single barrel. Is the one I I prefer of of all three. So I don't really right. keep the stock yellow label around. That was what Granddad drank was the yellow label because the others weren't things they were pouring, um. You know, in the seventies and early eighties up to Granddad's passing. But, um, the I have the single barrel select and the or the small batch select and the single barrel both in the pantry right now and are both quite good.
2: All right, fair enough. I you know what I gotta say the the roses there. My only experience with that is uh, some, when I was living in Japan, some friends of mine decided to get a bottle of that and uh, try to beat Mega Man while we, oh, nice. while we drank through it one night. And I don't remember much about that night or uh, the taste of, of yeah. said alcohol, but I'm sure it's very good in uh, um, maybe more sophisticated context than uh, me and my friends just uh pounding a bottle of uh of that while we uh, lost repeatedly to a very difficult uh nes video game so cool Meg- all right Megaman there we go great. i think we got it i think we i think finally we have we have determined uh an answer to this question and i i appreciate again matt your unbelievable dedication to all of this and uh your excellent creativity because frankly this uh, there's no way in hell i could come up with something like that and and i would
0: say friends get you get you a friend who loves you the way matt loves the dubcast to put this time and effort (laughs) i agree to put the time and effort that went into this whole series of questions you know you you need that kind of love in your life matt my hat's off to you
2: Yeah. Thank you, sir. Uh, So yeah, if you have any other questions, it doesn't have to be to quite that level of complexity (laughs) and dedication. If you have any questions whatsoever, please go ahead and send those to uh, the Dubcast and ask us anything.
0: I mean, we get questions ranging from what's your favorite color on through to, you know, a 600 word mission to destroy the University of Michigan in the past. I mean, we, we really will take all comers. Yeah. And we love that about this segment of the program, a couple other odds and ends to finish this out, a shout out to some young Ohio state wrestlers, three members of the Ohio state wrestling program traveled to Mexico this weekend for the U 20 Pan American championships, uh, assistant wrestling coach, Logan Steber, who of course. I always love to tell people's um, four time NCAA champion himself uh, more men have walked on the moon than have won four NCAA wrestling championships. But coach uh, Logan Stieber took three young Buckeyes sophomore Andre Gonzalez, a 57 kilogram, incoming freshman Nick Buzakis, a 61 kilos, and Nick Feldman, who was our heavyweight, incoming heavyweight, represented Ohio State in freestyle competition. And all three uh, took gold at the U 20 Pan Ams this weekend. So congratulations to those three gentlemen, Andrew Gonzalez, Nick Bazakis, and Nick Feldman, uh, fans of the wrestling program should be very excited that you have three you know, world level elite quality athletes, um, joining for joining the program as I say, Gonzalez already in the program, but then Bazakas and Feldman as incoming freshmen future, very bright for that wrestling program for sure. All right, Johnny, great episode this week lots uh lots of ground covered and i i think uh i think we I think we owe ourselves a hearty pat on the back for putting I together agree. a pretty great program
2: yeah not too bad and again thank you so much for sending those questions in and thanks of course to come for coming and laying some recruiting stuff on us we love it
0: all right until next time friends i'm andy
2: i'm johnny thank you for joining the 11 dubcast